Today's date is March 31st, Tuesday, March 31st. Uh, this is the Aquarius Podcast. I'm your host, Randy Reed. This episode is sponsored by Aquarium Co-op. And for a special sponsorship kind of promotion, we have none other than Master Breeder Dwayne Dean. Sorry, sorry, I haven't had enough coffee this morning. Dean Tweedell. Uh, so, Dean, what are your top three favorite products at Aquarium Co-op and why? My top three favorite products? Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Okay, so the first one is... Um, products is the nano food okay um or maybe let's go back it's it's the extreme food the the extreme food line the extreme yeah. food line um uh this is actually a food line that i kind of cory knew i had been using the nano pellets or mm-hmm. the micro nano pellets whatever they're called yeah nano extreme nano extreme nano for a long time and i kept telling him i said you got to get in touch with them you got to get in touch with them but you guys are the ones that made them switch the krill flakes to freshwater food we did, yeah. Their, their marketing was a little bit different for that. Um, and yeah, one of our recommendations to them, and you know, our recommendations, Corey's recommendation, uh, was that you know this krill flake is basically what we are looking for. Like we had been looking to get intimate, for lack of a better word, with a fish food manufacturer um, and really have some premium offerings uh, for aquarium co-op customers for food. And their krill flake was actually a marine flake, right? With, right. Like with Just krill, basically. With krill base. Yeah. yeah. And so yeah. you know, we uh, we got a bunch of samples from them. And, you know, one of the foods that we had tried out and it kind of initially had our eye on was this krill flake. And both Corey and I, um, our testing experience was just like phenomenal. Everything crushed this food. Uh, we had sent some to Jimmy as well. Uh, he loved it. I loved the texture of it. But yeah, an absolutely solid food. And I would say um, I was kind of hesitant to initially even go down this path with them because I had never heard of them. Uh, but when Corey was saying, oh, yeah, Dean really likes it. I'm like, yeah, well, if Dean likes it. Can't be, can't be too bad. Then it's probably got to be some pretty good stuff, right? And and it is. It's it's. And I'm really happy. I had never used the krill flakes before. Mm-hmm. I was kind of set on the pellets, and the krill flakes are amazing. Everything yeah. in the fish room will take them. Yep, yep. Um, well, my the my whole claim to fame for them is that uh, the wild discus. When I brought them back from Peru, they would only eat live black or live black worms. They wouldn't touch frozen bloodworms. They wouldn't touch any other prepared food. But they'd eat the krill flakes. But they crushed the krill flake. Yep. Yeah, and that was so yep. like over, um, you know, it was so relieving that they would actually eat, uh, you know, a prepared food that had that was very balanced, right? And that right. was going to be a good staple diet for them. Well, and see, that's that's one of the things when you're bringing back wild fish is getting them to eat it first. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, yeah, we go through the whole med process and all that, but you still got to get them. I mean, they haven't really eaten well for what about two weeks i would say yeah so getting them getting protein back in them and and um i mean the krill flakes i mean you smell them they smell yeah. they smell good. they do smell pretty good you yeah. know and actually even the nano pellets smell really yeah. good you yeah know? so in um, the, the nano, actually, we've uh, we've done a little bit of a label, a label redesign. So before, with the nano pellets, they had uh, a very up close picture of a jaguar cichlid that's right. surrounded by fry, and it's a really cool picture. But it almost looks like air bubbles. And so, yeah. you know, just knowing that this is a great food for fry, knowing it's a great food for microfish, uh, we kind of had them. You know, we we really took some time to redesign the label, pick different fish, uh, went through probably a month or so of iterations. So we did that with. Uh, the, the community pellets, which are rebranded 1.5 millimeter sinking and floating pellets. Uh, we did that with Nano, and we actually did that with Krill as well. So we really you know, wanted to make sure that you know, if somebody walked into a retail store, they walked into Aquarium Co-op and they saw these foods, the fish on there were very representative right. of, of what 
you're feeding of them what to. you're feeding right. them yeah right. and you know sometimes brands just kind of throw whatever looks good on there but it was really for us it was well will that fish actually eat it yeah and so with the, some of the sample foods and foods we already had was hey robert retail store feed some cpds right. feed, feed these celestial pearl danos right see if they'll eat it feed um feed the guppies uh, whatever feed guppies yeah. feed like all this stuff that if we're going to represent it on the label like the fish better better eat that food so yeah Product number two. So product number two would be um, sponge filters. I mean, you just been in the fish room. Every filter in there is a sponge filter. Even the canisters are stacked with sponges. Mm -hmm. um, easy to clean, easy to use. Harbor the necessary bacteria to keep the tank stable. Mm -hmm. um, I've used sponge filters for I don't know, hundred years now. So something like that. Yeah. And um, and now you've got your own ones. Uh, the green is actually more aesthetic than it, most of the other ones. It is, and then actually when, when Corey did the tour of my fish room, the fact that the previous brand we used to carry with the clear uplift tube had that, you know, such visible algae on it. Right. And it's, you know, when you compare it to a tank right next to it that also has algae, green uplift tube, green base, you don't even really notice it. Like it just it just ends up being this, like you're saying, an aesthetically pleasing look. Right. Um, my favorite feature of those sponge filters is the InstaSync is the instant sink to the bottom of the tank right. and they don't flow back right. up. Yeah. I can't tell you when I first set that fish room up and right. I bought you know the generic 12 pack off of Amazon, um, every single one of those, it Love. was weeks. Yeah. It was weeks of me going into the fish room, squeezing, 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 because these were the large ones. These right. were the large sponge filters. So there's an, a massive Tons amount of, of air, air yeah. and you're just squeezing the crud out of this 40, 50 PPI uh, foam where ours is i believe off the top of my head 20 ppi something like that and it yeah. just makes a world of difference and right. you're still getting so much space for beneficial bacteria right. that you don't even have to go you know right. crazy 40 ppi or 50 ppi no so so, so that would be the number two um man there's so many other cool products though but um i would say the third product is the stingray lights mm. now the reason i say that, i mean i've been asked about 10 times in the last two weeks about lights for a fish room. And um, I know that Corey, we've just switched his all of his tanks back to stingrays. Really? Yep. All of my tanks in the fish room are lit by stingrays. The, the, the tanks outside of the fish room have bigger, more powerful lights on them. But... Um, well, those are more display. Yeah. You're trying to grow yeah, more plants right. in them, yeah. The, but for fish room, for fish tanks... Although a stingray will grow plants yeah. really well. Um, and I do want to make a caveat there. I'm talking about the old style stingray, the original. Not, not, not the not two. Not the new one. Not the two, not yeah. Not the two, right. Uh, they're thin. They're, they're black, so they blend in really well. Mm -hmm. um, if you want to mount them, they're easy to mount. Um, won't really talk about it, but in my case, I have dimmed them all. Mm -hmm. um, it voids the manufacturer warranty. Sorry, manufacturer. <laughs> But, um, but you know, it's from, for my case, it's a plus side because it cuts down on algae. Yeah. And that was actually, um, when they launched the Stingray 2 and they're sending us the initial promotional material, Hey, do you want to see some samples? Um, you know, kind of looking at the specs we're like, no, like we want to stick with the original Stingray yeah. and we had to really make sure and hit them up over a couple of emails. Like, please make sure you're going to continue to make the Stingray. Right. Like, don't just put all your eggs in this one basket. Right. We will not carry the Stingray 2. Right. Like we only want to carry the Stingray and that thing you know, knock on wood, but the ones that I have, I think... Probably, they're solid. Like, half of my tanks, I think, might be on Stingrays. 
uh, in the fish room, but they are absolutely solid. Yeah. I have one on my son's 10 gallon in his room, his beta tank, and that thing absolutely will grow, grow, grow plants to the point where it will grow algae too. Yes, like, it will, you know, it will. Maybe, maybe on a deeper 75, you know, and you're really trying to go high tech, maybe the stingray is not the best application, but I think probably 80% of the aquarists out there yeah. can get a stingray and be super happy. And we, I was just actually helping to uh, pack yesterday in the warehouse and, you know, a lot of stingrays going out the door. Yeah. You know, it is a it is a very popular yeah. light and I just don't think, you know, it doesn't have the sexy app, it doesn't have all these sexy features, but it's a solid, solid light. Yeah, and, and if, if you don't need all that other stuff, I mean, for, for your first LED light, mm -hmm. it's the one to get, Yeah, you know, so. That was, this has easily yeah. been the longest uh, promotional sponsorship uh, intro for a podcast episode. Oh, yeah. we, we hit like eight minutes just talking about sponsorship, wow. but that's all right. So, oh, and we haven't uh, even talked about the little water pump or the air pump. Oh, the nano? Well, that, we'll save that for next time. Okay. Okay. Um, so let's see here. So everybody, the recap, uh, Dean's recommendations from Aquarium Co-op. So aquariumcoop.com, aquariumcoop.com. Coop. Yep. Uh, the extreme food lineup, yep. solid. Uh, born on a farm, born on an amazing Florida fish farm. That's that, right. That's I think right. that video has gotten like 1.3 million views yeah, now. That's, so that's, that's absolutely right. I love, I love reminding Corey of that one. But granted, it's Jimmy's editing. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just a solid, uh, he did such a great job with that. Number two was aquarium co-op sponge filters. And number three was what we just talked about, stingray, stingray lights. lights. Yep. yep. Oh, man, I actually just yep. uh, drew a blank there. All right, so... Mr. Uh, Dean Tweedell, Master Breeder, this would be your third time as a guest on the podcast. Second, well, no, no third time. third time. But the, the second, second, second time, time was a group one. Yeah, 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 second, yeah. yeah. The second time was a group one. That was uh, in Iquitos, Peru, in my hotel room, which mm -hmm. was uh, pretty awesome. And that was actually an episode that almost didn't happen because of the, the audio quality. So luckily, Corey was holding an audio unit. And oh, that's right. we were able to, I mean, he, he sounded obviously great. But there was just enough of you and I on there to actually right. make it a doable episode. Yep. So that that almost got lost to the, uh, you know, to the the memory card, and you know, we never would have seen the light of day. So right, yeah, this would be episode number three with Dean. Yep. Um, there is really no rhyme or reason of what we're going to talk about. I just came over here. Uh, I've got some errands to run for work, but I needed to, to drop some stuff off to you and check out the fish room. Um, so what is going on in the fish room? What's what's new? There's tons of stuff going on in the fish room. So as, as most people out there would know, uh, you know, we're basically, for lack of better words, quarantined to home right now, uh, or, you know, I mean, what, are we six feet apart? I think we are. I think we're, I think we can fit a leatherback turtle was the most, or an arapaima. I think an arapaima can fit between us. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so, you know, I mean, it's a time right now where you're, you gotta be careful cause you don't know. I mean. The biggest part of all this is we don't know. Yeah, it's not what we do know; it's what we don't know, and um, so uh, so that's been keeping a lot of people at home. Um, and in my case, I'm stuck here in Seattle. My wife's stuck in San Francisco. That doesn't make it fun, but I have been able to do a lot more stuff around the the fish room, the house, because you know you're basically stuck here all the time. So tanks are all looking clean, except for that one. <laughs> One rack, that's coming. Um, the fish are all breeding like crazy. Um, I've got baby wild discus. I was that, so excited to see those. Yeah, those are about um, two and a half weeks old now. And I haven't actually posted those because, because sometimes 
you know, you post the fish spawning and then up oh, they ate the eggs the next day. It's you it, know, it's kismet, you, whatever you call that. It's you know. um, it's the Madden curse. Are you familiar yes. with the Madden curse? Yes. Yeah. Exactly. So it's the so for those not familiar with the Madden curse, it's basically uh, Madden is like one of the most popular video game franchises for the NFL for football. And the way it goes is whatever NFL star makes the cover of the Madden game, they like something bad happens to them yeah, the next they, season. They, they get injured trashed. or something. And so I, I completely yeah. I feel you on that one. So, you know, and, and, you know, there is this magic, supposedly this magic 30-day thing for baby discus that you have to get them past the 30 days. Uh, Wild or domestic or both? All of them. All of them. All of them. And, and you know... I think it's mythical. Other people think it's very important. But uh, so anyway, so baby discus, baby black rams, tons of baby angels, uh, gold rams, baby showdance high puffers. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, that's recent. And those are those the teeniest fish you've ever seen? They are. They're incredibly small. And what's great is you can still kind of see that they're like bulbous, a puffer shape. Yeah. yeah. So you know it's going to grow into like this little puffer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and one thing that I was asking you, so it sounds like there might be a misconception or maybe it was a different species, but I had heard that from a, from a puffer expert over in Europe that uh, they're very sensitive to light, so very photosensitive, and that really hasn't been your experience with these. But mine are only... You know, less than a week old. Well, and, and I believe that was the like a really sensitive period, though, yeah. from basically the moment like of incubation right. to you know them being a couple weeks yeah. old. They're very photosensitive, yeah. but so far, not, so far they're, not so much. they're swimming around. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm I'm feeding them green water paramecium right now. Uh, we think they're eating. We th <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can't tell. I mean, they're so small. Yeah. I mean, I don't even have a magnifying glass that I can yeah. actually see their mouths. And it, by size comparison, so my experience with really, really small fish and actually just pulled mops for them would be rainbow fish, right? So rainbow fish, incredibly, incredibly small fry. Right. Right. Um, you basically have to feed them like a 50 micron golden pearl right. for at least a good week until they put on enough size to feed uh, baby, um, brine, baby shrimp. brine shrimp. Now, right. do you know by comparison like how large a paramecium is compared to like a nugget of like 50 micron golden pearl? Or are they almost on the same page? Uh, the paramecium is probably smaller. I would will imagine. get caught in a ten micron seed. Okay. So they they're you know they're they're about I believe twenty five microns. Wow. They're tiny. So at least uh, half the size of a of a yeah, micro, of a yeah. of a fifty micron or, or smaller. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, it basically looks like dust in the water. Yeah. You know, when it, when you get a, got a cloud of it. And then green water, I believe, is even smaller than that because mm -hmm. then you're talking about single-cell algaes and stuff like that. So, um, you know, this is my first experience with them. I'm kind of relying on other people's experience. And, you know, I give a shout-out to Preston. Um, these fish are from him. Alumni, podcast alumni. Yep, yeah, he is a podcast alumni. And, um, you know, I've been in contact with him several times about, you know, what am I doing right, what am I doing wrong, you know, all of this. Uh, so... I will say eventually I'm going to figure it out. Even if this first spawned, you know, this is the first time I actually took the eggs away. Mm -hmm. um, they've spawned several times before that, but I haven't taken the eggs out or I haven't actually seen the eggs because a lot of a lot of it was people would tell me they're tiny, tiny eggs. Well, you know, I mean, I spawned a lot of fish with big, with small eggs like bettas, for example. Mm -hmm. Those are teeny tiny fry. These are smaller than betta fry. Yeah. So that's a tiny egg. Yeah. You know, so. 
and I think I would say rainbows are twice the size. Okay. You know. Wow. So. What did they? Did they just scatter? Do they lay them on like leaves? Like where? Where do they deposit the eggs? They are. They just scatter. Uh huh. Yeah. Um, so uh, and then you know basically you vacuum them up, hopefully get a bunch of eggs mm -hmm. and hatch them. So I I, I'm guessing there's probably a hundred or more fry in there right now. Now when you so you vacuumed them up uh, the eggs up. Did you go straight to the current container that they're in? No. Or did no. you do your the? I went into a jar. What I call a kimchi jar. So yeah. I'm half Korean. It's the yeah. <laughs> that's the giant yeah. kimchi jar. Yeah, I went into a jar. Methylene blue. Um, little bit of methylene blue. Yeah. Uh, I mean, some some fish you have to be careful with too much methylene blue mm -hmm. is also going to be detrimental. I I've heard. I think I talked to Bentley, and he said that your strategy for methylene blue is basically take a pipette, put it in your methylene blue, lift it up. Put that into the water. Right. Don't squeeze anything and just remove it. Yeah. So like whatever. So it's just enough. Yeah. Very very light blue, like right. incredibly light blue tint. Right. And then, but you know, you go with angelfish eggs. You can put twenty drops in a gallon, and they'll all hatch. Mm -hmm. You know, but but what what I also do is as soon as those eggs start eyeing up, then you know they're a viable egg. Mm -hmm. Change out some of the water. So you're you're reducing the dose of the methylene right, blue, right? Right. Uh, because once once you're past the stage where the eggs are going to fungus, you don't have to worry about. It. Interesting thing though is the puffer eggs, not one fungus. Wow. Not one. So you had a couple hundred. I think there's a maybe a hundred, hundred and fifty in there. Not one fungus. I'm not expecting all of them to live. Obviously, you right. never can, but not one egg, fungus. Wow. There was two eggs that didn't hatch. But but no fungus. Did it just stay? So it just stayed like what hard white? Yeah. Okay. It turned it turned white. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So impressive. And uh, to go back to the baby discus, the baby wild discus, um, the photo that you posted to Instagram and seeing them in person, one thing that really caught my attention was how orange they yeah. were. And looking at it, I'm like, did Dean did Dean go a la Jimmy and like bump up some bump up some color values? But they look like they're just naturally full of brine shrimp. They're they're super super orange. Yeah, the yeah. eggs were super orange. And, and the that fry. actually that actually is something that has surprised me also because I, oh okay now so I used to breed I used to have twenty three pairs of discus going or maybe it was twenty one twenty one pairs of discus. Going. All designer strains, domestic yes. strains, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, uh, I mean, this is years ago, and I don't remember the eggs being so amber colored. Mm -hmm. But none of those discus were actually wild, like right. like in our case, wild right from the river mm -hmm. discus. Um, so these ones, the eggs are so amber colored. It's like it's almost like a deep amber ale, you know? That, yes, that color, and and they're gorgeous. I yeah. Mean, um, you you would think they were full of baby brine shrimp, like already, a really rich yeah. baby brine yeah. shrimp. Yeah. Uh, now, could that be from the foods? Maybe you know. I mean, I, they do eat the krill, mm -hmm. um, the krill flakes. Um, they do eat some uh, freeze dried um, blackworms that that are supplemented with some color enhancers. Mm -hmm. Or, or is it just because the strain where they came from the wild? Yeah, you know, don't know. I mean, the parents are kind of orange, you know. It's yeah, that's, that's kind of yep. their natural, you know, base color. I love so. that color too. Yeah, you know, that that is just in, insanely beautiful color. Yeah. So, yeah. The, and and you know they get the the 
the nine legitimate vertical stripes that discus have. I mean, you see so many discus now where they're all broken up or there's no stripes. Um, when they get into their breeding color, those nine stripes come in. It's really cool. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, and so uh, you know, what, what else I really liked, and what I'm you know gonna store away from my own breeding journey is. Uh, I felt actually kind of proud that, granted I had a 50-50 chance, but I was able to identify just by the, the finage, kind of the sharpness of that mm -hmm. uh, back, what, dorsal fin or, no, not the dorsal, yeah, the, oh, the dorsal, yeah, the dorsal and fin. the, dorsal and and the, the anal. anal, yeah. Fin, right. So the male's going to have that sharper point, typically will have kind of that sharper a point, little bit sharper, right. female's a little bit more dull. Um, yeah. I had told you before, probably about two months ago, I pulled what I thought to be a male-female from my wild discus, like really robust, probably two of the bigger ones in there. Seemed like they were kind of buddy-buddy. Um, one seemed more aggressive chasing off other discus, and I was like, maybe that's a pair. Put them in their own 20 high. Everything was hunky-dory for a couple weeks, and then I noticed that male was, was being a little bit more aggressive with the other right. one, and so... I wasn't sure if I actually did get a, a male-female pair or mm -hmm. if they just weren't ready. And so, God, like, you know, having these fish, it's it's almost, it's like when I was golfing, right? I was never a good golfer, but when I used expensive golf balls, I played terribly. When I used cheap Kmart golf balls, Cougar right. brand, if anybody golfer out there knows Cougar brand, they're like free when you walk into Kmart. Right. I would play so much better, and I feel the same way with these fish. Right, like right. you know, I feel like they're they're just so fragile, and I don't I don't want to do anything to 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 potentially jeopardize their health. And so I'm like, all right, let's just put these back in with the main colony. Right. Um, and so I'm kind of gun shy, you know, because these things like there's so much of an attachment to them now. You know, the fact that I brought them back from Peru, and I've I've, right. I've just invested so much into them of exactly. time and effort. Um, you know, that I, I don't want anything to happen to them. Not that I want anything to happen to any of my other any fish. Of, yeah, you don't. But, but you know, but there's just there's, there's just some something so more, special about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. special. And, you know, like I said, the, the, the ones that are spawning now are the ones I, I brought back three years ago. Mm -hmm. So when we brought them back three years ago, they were about how yours were when you brought them back a mm -hmm. year ago. Um, and I think that the, the number one thing that a lot of people don't understand is you have to have patience. Yeah. And, you know, that goes with the pleco breeding also. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of people that are going to get these fish and they want them spawning tomorrow. And so they're going to buy a pair or they're going to buy this. And um, do you think that's the danger of kind of... It, while I think it's an amazing series and I think it's great for people, but the breeding for profit that's kind of out there, you know, co-ops yeah. done a great job with it, but a lot of other people are out there with their own breeding for profit series. Right. Do you think that, you know, there, some of that has to do with it where, oh, I'm going to get these really expensive, I'm going to, I'm going to drop an entire paycheck on some zebra plecos right. and these things are going to make me money, right? right? Where it's. Well, like, you know what, I've had those zebra plecos now, the ones I currently have for, she's three three plus years mm -hmm. and I've got four babies that that have been viable or that are growing and you had a male female caved up too that was really cool to yeah, see yeah today I do yeah so hopefully um, I'll have more eggs yeah. but again you know that's a fish that they're only going to lay maybe 20 eggs wow so it's not like you're going to get a brood you're going to get you know, 15, 20 babies. Right. Um, and then you may have to cull. And you might, yeah. You might have to cull you, some of that you, too. You don't even know that, right. Yeah. So, but no, you know, the whole breeding for profit, I think a lot, I, I hate to say it, but I think a lot of it is fallacy. Yeah. Because if you're really breeding for profit, okay, who's paying your electric bill? Who's paying your water bill? Uh, did you include your fish food? Yeah. Did you include your time? 
so here's a funny one, right? Um, I live probably 30, a 30 minute drive from the co-op. I have a, a full size truck. Um, and, uh, and, and if I'm going to transport my son with me, he's only ever going to go in the big vehicles, right? right? Like right. I very much like want my kids exactly. to be protected. So even if I were breeding for profit, when I make a weekend run to the co-op to drop off fish, I'm spending at least Fifteen dollars in gas. On gas, right? You know, granted, oil is dropping a little bit right now, but we're still at like two eighty nine yeah. here in Washington. Yeah, we're not cheap. Like we are that. not cheap. We've got the we've got the premium California blend. We've right. got dude. We are we got all the taxes tacked on yeah. our gas. So nonetheless, they're like the transportation of your vehicle to and from the fish store wherever you're going to take them. Like, I, I just thought of that one day. I'm like, man, I'm probably dropping ten bucks just to go and hang out at the co-op and drop some fish off. Exactly. And I don't yeah. even sell my fish at the co-op. Like, I get so much. I, I said this in the fish tour video that I get so much free stuff and samples and all this stuff that I don't even care. Like, I'm at the point now where I just, I, I you know, you, I try to emulate you as much as possible. Like. I I think my niche in the hobby is like yes I want to have a beautiful planted display tank but I really want to specialize and you know make a mark and, and do a lot of specialized breeding and right. so I look to you for a lot of inspiration and so I'm at a point now where if I can breed these things and as long as I can offload them somewhere and they're going to go to a good home and they're going to support my place of employment like I'm perfectly I'm perfectly fine so I'm not even at the point where you know, I, I need to try to make money or anything. Right, right. Um, you know, we're we're obviously in a different boat in that situation, but um, yeah. So that's so so you know. So I think the I think the key is okay. Are you breeding them for profit or like in my case, you know, it's like breed I'm, to cover, breed to cover expenses. If you cover <laughs> if you if you cover your expenses, or if it or if it's a rare fish, mm -hmm. and you can get it spread around with other people. Um, the cares, the gadeas, like you know, all those fish. Yeah. I, I mean, that was that was the whole premise. And sorry, Corey, <laughs> in advance, <laughs> but that was the whole premise of getting Jimmy to bring me a couple pairs of those Vienna guppies mm. um, a while ago. You know, actually, when he was still here, is because I knew that Corey was going to be traveling, traveling. He wasn't going to have time to propagate them. Sure. And uh, even to propagate guppies, you got to separate the parents and the fry. Um, you know, you got to grow the fry up so that they have a chance yeah. of the... Because the parents will eat some of them. They won't eat all of them, but they the, will eat some. Well, those ones are a little bit... That, that Vienna guppy is a little bit more notorious, right? For yes. Prey, yeah. yeah, a little bit. Um, so, where, so Where do you think that comes from? I just think it... Like, why do some strains of, of guppy, well, you know, seem to be perfectly fine? Okay, or? if you think about it, the, the Vienna guppy's short tail, they can move faster. Oh. You know, uh, a long tail fish can't move as fast. So okay. maybe they're not going to catch as many, many as the babies. Um, so, so these longer, so like a, uh, uh, like a Moscow or, right. you know, those Delta tails, right. they're, they're kind of handicapped or a Dumbo, a, a Dumbo bit. ear. A Dumbo ear is really so they, slow. So they would yeah. want to crush their young. They're just a little bit slower. Right. <laughs> So, uh, you know, so, you know, that, that was a whole thing where, you know, we, we took them so that we, I knew I could give Corey back a bunch of them. And you've done obviously a fantastic job yeah, with them. So now he's got one of his totes full mm -hmm. of them. So, uh, so that's been a, that's been a, you know, a positive outcome of all of yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, well, because we're at a point now where if we actually weren't just curbside only at co-op at the retail store, you could be bringing in. Tons of fish. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I, I have, uh, we've already talked, I've talked to Corey last time he was here. Uh, I've got the angelfish ready to go, both varieties, the, the super red kois and the Philippine blues. Mm -hmm. um, 
you know, the guppies, a couple different varieties of guppies. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you had the leer tail. You had those beautiful, yep. like, iridescent-y, multicolored leer tail. Yep. Um, those are the orange-green neon liar tails. Oh, there you go. Something like that. <laughs> you know, I can't remember what they're called. Have, have you, I, I'm sure you, you, you were probably more versed in it than I am, but when I go on these angelfish, you know, Facebook groups and whatnot, and you see, like, how into the weeds with yeah. it's a this, 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 that's, you know, uh, you know, recessive for this and da 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 da. Like they go so crazy right. into the terms, and I'm sure discus and um, bettas and all that. But like you can go so far into the the phenotype, yes. you know, d- descriptive names yeah. and whatnot. That in guppies the same way. Yeah, I think angelfish and discus are probably two of the worst because, you know, if if Joe Breeder out there has, uh, let's just be be um, a little. Um, I don't know what the right word, but uh, say he has a black and a red discus and he breeds them. Then he's going to call them a black, red, super jumbo, whatever, you know. <laughs> and the thing is, it's, they're mutts. It's not mm-hmm. a strain. You don't develop they're not a, fixed. It's not fixed. Yeah. It's not a strain until you've probably bred it for five or six um, generations. Have you, have you fixed the strain? Have you made your own? Well, the, the red koi ones, we originally got them as um, koi angels mm-hmm. through, through the co-op. And I have been working on... Uh, so the koi angel had red, white, and black. So I've been working on them for now, I think, going on four, maybe even five years. To really pull the red out, To right? pull the red out yeah. and get the white out, and so just red and black. Um, uh, that's what I've been trying to do, and it's getting better and better um, each each generation. But you know, if you think about it, you only get maybe two generations a year, because you know it's usually eight or nine months before they're mature yeah. to breed. So, um, so you know, you got to and and I can't keep a hundred fry. I pick the fry when they're dime sized, the ones I'm going to keep. And, mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, at some point you run out of tank space to keep all that stuff. So if you get to a point where you are able to, to successfully have offspring that are just the red and black as you want it, white is completely removed, would you, would you then kind of give it another name? Yeah. And would we, okay. Yep. And yeah. is, now, is that something that, because I think in my, in my head, making my own strain of like any type of fish isn't exactly super high up on the list. Like there's, there's, again, this is a multifaceted hobby. Some people are incredibly into that. Um, that for me just isn't, it's not really something that I want to do right now, or maybe not even in the future, but for you, is that, well, you know, and you got to realize that that could end with one two week power outage, (laughs) which we could have around here anytime, you know? So, um, so, you know, with, I mean, the, the, the red koi angels, um, that's just one of the lucky ones that I've been working with. I haven't had any major problem. I mean, I am experiencing a, a lower hatch rate now, but I think that's from inbreeding. So I'm, I've got, like, right now I'm bringing some black in. Uh, and, by, to, and by bringing black in from a completely a different... A completely different angel. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. How, how does that work out, right? So I've heard, I've had people give suggestions of, oh, take a wild angel, mix it back in. Right. What, if you were to do something like that, what would you expect your offering? Do I need to bust out my Punnett square and like... Kind of. Okay. A little bit, what, yeah. what would you expect if you take one of your red-black koi angels and you mix in... A more a, black? A more black, non-koi angel variety. What would you expect the offspring I, to be? I would probably end up with um, 
well, technically I'm going to end up with 25% black, 25 or 50% red black, and 25% more red. Okay, and then... And then you want to take the best ones out of those. Out of which group? The 50%? The out red? of the 50%, okay. yeah. Because you, if, you know, or, or the red and the, and the, the, those two groups, you know. But at the same time, angelfish always sell. Mm-hmm. I mean, is there, there, I've never been in a store that had enough angelfish. Does it ever surprise you how many people out there actually keep fish? Yeah. It's a, I mean, you've been in a, this. It's a bunch. You've been in this for decades and decades and yeah. decades, and this is this is a hobby that has obviously weathered economic depressions yep. and all sorts of stuff like that, of yep. recessions and whatnot. Um, you know, it, it will weather coronavirus. It will. Um, yep. You know, a lot of stuff will, but yeah. it's just it's just always mind boggling that you know how many people actually keep aquariums. Right. It's and you know it could be just one aquarium. Sure. It could be a fishbowl on the counter. Nano tanks are extremely popular. Hopefully right not now. the angel tank in the fishbowl, but that's true. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, you know, I mean, and and you know, the the fish that always sell are you know guppies, angels, rams, discus, corridors actually mm-hmm. always selling. Um, so um, you know, breeding some of those is yeah part of having the fish room, and you know. Making it work for yourself. Yeah, you know, so. I've got a. Uh, people know that I like to play things close to the chest until I'm ready to reveal. Uh, but uh, per Corey's recommendation, I've actually got a Corydora species that I'll be working with. I've got those coming in actually on Thursday, mm-hmm. um, and by working with you know just basically breeding in mass for the co-op, and then a killifish. Oh, nice. So yeah. the, I've got the, the killifish eggs showed up yesterday. There's going to nice. be a six, seven-week incubation period. Yep. Um, we'll see how that goes, and hopefully, you know, I've got some some good success stories and whatnot to share with that. Um, yeah, because I'm, I'm retooling the fish room where I had I sent you guys the pictures where I had on one bottom row yeah. two twenties side by side with two tens on the end cap of a seventy-seven inch gladiator rack, something like that. Yeah. Um, and yeah. so you know, knowing that I need more capacity, I took those two twenties. Um, moved them end on end, and then incorporated two more that I had in the shed. And part of that was, you know, doing a little DIY, making things happen. I took clear polycarbonate from Home Depot, cut squares, took aquarium safe silicone, and I basically had to patch that hole where the old overflow used to be, oh, right? Because right. it was that's in the long right. side that's of right. the tank. Yeah. So I had to patch that, had to repaint the other sides, and then drill a new hole, uh, make all new tops. So thank you to you that I actually had the uh, the, the roofing oh, material. That's right. that's right. So yeah, because yeah. I picked it up like sometime last year. Yeah, it was or, last year. Yeah. yeah was, so yeah. yep. And a couple days ago, I made the new I made the new roof, uh, the new lids. Um, I am gonna play around. I'm gonna. I've got a group of the corridors, twelve of them. Six I'll put in one of the twenty highs um, with sand. And mm-hmm. then six I'm gonna put bare bottom. Yep. And I'm just gonna grow them up. I'm gonna feed them the same, and I'm gonna see if that sand. If, if that does anything else to promote, I'll probably play around by introducing guppies in there because uh, Eric Broderock, I think, was saying that, you know, those pheromones, when those yep. are in the, those could potentially help to, yep. to kick the corridors into high gear. Um, yeah, so, um, you know, that's that's something that's, that's you know, added. I think every once in a while you kind of need to be reinvigorated. Right. And I think these are, these are some projects that are reinvigorating me. Um, you know, on the breeding side of things. Well, and it gives it gives you more than one focus. Mm-hmm. So, you, I mean, if you go in your fish room and you only have one focus, then it, you can get bored. Do you, do you know how giddy I got? I didn't. I haven't shared this with you yet. But I was at uh, 
I was doing something at the retail store, doing something for work, and this uh, this couple, they were, you know, just perusing, looking at fish, and one of the fish they ended up taking home was a super red bristle nose. Nice. Who bred that super you, red bristle? You did, right? I did. Yeah. And I didn't say anything, but I'm just sitting there and I just yeah. internally had the biggest smile. Yeah. You know, and again, that's that's not a fish that I made any money on, you know, right. it, but it was just so cool knowing that those people were going to take home a super red yeah. that I bred. Yeah. Um, and if people really knew the story, those super reds actually came from Corey. So just like with the Vienna guppies, right. he's traveling too much. Right. I took the male, female, I still have them. And all the super reds that I have um, are, are from those from original pair. two right. pair. Yeah. And they're still kicking out fry. Um, and, and yeah, just, you know, so, so knowing that if people knew that they came from me, that's kind of a cool story. But then knowing that they came from Corey as well, right. like 80% of the super reds in the co-op are probably from, from me right now. Um, albinos are going to be mixed. So a lot of people are bringing in albinos. Right. Um, yeah. But I think there's just, it's just fun. Like it's just something yep. really cool to know that somebody like saw of, of the entire wall, right. Of all the tanks that we have in the co-op, they're spot those. they spot these and they're like, yeah. I'm going to take one of those, nice. you know, and that's, that's that, pretty cool. yeah, I, I, I really enjoy that. Yeah, that is cool. Yeah. I've seen that a lot. Well, yeah, or for you, yeah. absolutely, yeah. yeah. But, but, you know, it is fun, you know, and, and, and then you hear, sometimes you hear back from them like, oh, I've got a pair going now. I'm mm -hmm. like, oh, yeah, those are cool, you know, so. Yeah, that's very awesome. So, yeah. So, so, Dean, what is that, uh, what's that little doohickey you have there? So, this is, um... You know, it's technically it's a water sterilizer. It works on electrolysis. So it looks like, to describe to folks, it looks just like a CO2 diffuser. Similar. It looks, I mean, so if you were to show that to somebody, I feel like the first thing they would guess is a CO2 diffuser or some type of new air stone. Right. It's got a suction cup in the back. It's a right. white uh, it's a white ring right. mesh screen on top, suction cup, and then there's a wire that could be mistaken for airline tubing, right. but it, it is a power power source. A power right. source, yeah. And so yeah. what what does so, that do? So what in, what inspired me was more of than what it does. So, you know, Jimmy from the co-op, he's posting on his own channel and Swiski, shout out. Swiski, yeah. Swiski or is it Swiski Vision? Is the H silent? Like, I thought yeah. the H was silent. I don't know. Jimmy, you know? Jimmy's channel, yeah. So, um, so he had he had done a video of one of his tanks where there's there's a company out there called Twinstar that, that mm -hmm. makes these for aquarium. I believe it's a UK company. Um, I don't think it's a US company. And he was showing it come on and it shoots out a bunch of super micro bubbles. Um, and I'm like, wow, that's expensive, Jimmy. What do they run? What's their retail? I, I'm, well, let's see. Uh, I think it's around 100 to 120 bucks. Wow. And, you know, upon seeing that, I, I Googled the thing, right? And then, of course, there's all sorts of YouTube videos about people that have made them. Um, and they've made them out of, you know, different um, types of screen canisters. And I'm like, None of them look good. So, you know, again, being stuck here at home, <laughs> um, I'm looking at, okay, can I make one? Your creative DIY you know? juices are just flowing. Right. So I made one, and I plug it in, um, and it worked. Electrified everything in your tank. Yeah. <laughs> but it's plugged into, like, 12 or 6 or 12 volts DC, mm -hmm. so you stick your hand in the water, you could feel a little tiny tickle, but... It's not supposed to run all the time. 
it comes on and comes off. The, the advantage is, and the part that I don't have or I haven't figured out yet is the timer. Mm. It's got to run so many times in, in an hour. So, so I only did it on a, on a just on a challenge to, so I could show Jimmy. Mm. <laughs> that was the whole premise of doing it. So what, sterilization of the water, is it so like, what, like, UV, like on par with a UV sterilizer? Or is it, is it getting different um, things? Like what's... Kind of different. Um, what this does, they, they call it an algae inhibitor or mm, a water sterilizer. Okay. So it generates from the water, um, you get hydrogen and oxygen separately so it works on electrolysis and the bubbles are hydrogen and oxygen so it breaks the bonds it breaks down the single cell algae okay so that they can't form so it's not going to do anything for um, black brush mm -hmm. algae and stuff like that but the small algae uh, that normally affects your plants and your glass it breaks that down so it can't form huh and so what, what, what did you Frankenstein to make this thing? Like, what, what are we looking at here? The, what... So it's, it's, the, the, it's two pieces of stainless steel screen. They're about a quarter inch apart. One is hooked to positive, one's hooked to negative on a DC. It, now, is that just generic stainless steel screen, or did you, is that from, like, the cooking industry, like the no, culinary? No, uh, you, could, you, could, you could buy a strainer, okay. a stainless steel strainer. I just happen to have some that I used to grow moss on. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, um, so... I cut the discs and... What were the discs? I, I cut them out of a square screen. No, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I thought uh, you the meant the same, white. I thought you meant no. the white outer plastic. The white is... Um, this This was a, a PVC fitting of some sort. I, I don't even remember which. The screen dropped in. I put another PVC spacer inside. Okay. And then it's another PVC glued on. So I want a sandwich. Make, I want to make you... PVC crown. Yeah, like you are exactly. the king of PVC. It's awesome what you can make. And then obviously you got to solder the wire to the screen on both sides and the suction cup. Okay. And so what is, I mean, what, what is the electricity running to? It's just running to the, to the, the screen. To both sides to the screen. screen. So it's just a positive negative wire yep. touching the screen. One to one to one side, one to the other side. What the heck? Yeah. Okay. And then this is nuts. And then you plug this thing in. Now this, your adapter looks like uh, it's um, something I found. That looks like it, it, the old school uh, mouse and similar before, before we went to USB, whatever that yeah, yeah. Uh, whatever that connector but, was. But that's that's just your normal um, power supply adapter. Mm -hmm. You could just hook this up to the old school uh, mechanical timers because they have th that whole pinwheel. Yes, and that would probably be like the easiest. But but it needs to only run for about a minute. Oh, okay. To a minute and a half. These amp. are at least like five minute chunks. Yeah, those little... yeah, that would be too long, I think. Um, it, uh, but a minute to a minute and a half every 15, 20 minutes. And so for the one fifty two hundred dollars when you, you buy get it from the, the other timer, company, okay, yeah, that's so probably where all the cost. That's is where then. the money is. It's not in this part. Could you imagine? So with the Wi Fi light timers, and yes, that we used, I've already how been, how I've been searching. That would look <laughs> like if you tried to do so one to two minutes every what. Well, what, what you need is you need a timer. Like J Jimmy sent me an email because I had him time his. He says it, it runs for, I think he said, a minute and 16 seconds every 16 minutes. Do they adjust it like do you, for gallonage? By size of tank. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So you'd have to figure that part out too. But uh, So in my case, I'm still just playing with it uh, because, I mean, like I showed you the tank earlier with the pipes that I wrapped, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, when you got time on your hands, you can play with a lot of stuff. Yeah. I think one of the best things uh, about the, well, I guess, I mean, it, it kind of inherently 
is what it is, but your Tabletop Tuesday series that you do with Corey, you know, just letting people see uh, how creative you can get in this hobby. And, that, yeah. and actually last night as I'm working in the fish room, uh, working on my siphon system, like ha a good portion of the fun of this is just thinking creative, Cream. thinking outside of the box, right. Right. Um, you know, taking taking a lot of inspiration and like, so w when, I, when I try to emulate, em emulate you, you're gonna get me about 80% of the way, right? You're gonna give me 80% of the way. And then that last 20%, I need to customize for my application. I need to customize for, for what yeah. I've done, right? Yeah. Um, or maybe your need is not exactly like mine. Mm -hmm. You know, it might need a little bit different. So yeah, you're right. Clean, clean yeah. tanks and breeding wild or uh, discus. That's exactly yeah. actually what I need. To do. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, like you know, you you run a twenty long for your fry tray system, right? right. I, I had a forty breeder that I could utilize, and right. so using bigger tanks and you know, just uh, applying it for what I have available and, you know, my particular space and how I've run my water system. But so much of it is already based on, you know, the knowledge that I've gleaned from you and then just adapting it here or there so that it works for me. Right. Um, and I would love to see you on your, your siphon drain system. I would love to see you get that on off on the there, on that ball bell. Yeah. I'll be like, Dean, yeah. yes, I gave Dean Then that you wouldn't have to squeeze the stupid hose, yeah. right? You know what I saw in the background of the, one of the co-op videos was... Uh, Corey had the Zis hanging, like how I had yeah, my fish I room. Those. <laughs> oh, you didn't? Did you see those in mine? No, no. I yeah. I, well, with the Zis hatchers or yeah, I have two of them running down there now. When did you? When did you do it? When I first got them. Really? Uh, I when I first showed Corey that they're going to hang on a tank in okay. that video. Okay. I said we need to make some hangers, so I made one for Corey, one for my room. Okay, maybe that was the inspiration then, and I went ahead and made them. So I hadn't seen that yeah. you've done that yet, but I right. know you were the reason why we were visiting them. Right. Because you were like, this thing's great. On its base, on its, they call it the Artemia Blender, which right. I've asked, I've asked this, I'm like, hey man, anytime you want help on like naming or branding or you, you know, you're converting things over into English, like this guy's my Korean cousin at this right. point. Right. Um, I love him. But like, let me know. Just let me know. Yeah. And so with the, with the, the brine trim hatcher, you know, he never hit me up and he produces the name Artemia Blender. And it's yeah. like, ah, yeah. like sure, it looks like a blender, but kind ah, of, that's kind of. Yeah, that's that, that's kind of a rough name, but um. and see, uh, see, I would like a company like that say, okay, send me the prototype before you finish it. Yeah, because then I will give you the tweaks to do to make it perfect. Yeah. I mean, that's what we're trying to do. Like, really, yeah. you know, granted, right now everybody's in in stasis hold right now, and we're right. all just kind of holding our breath, figuratively exactly. and literally. Which I want to make a meme of when you walk by somebody in the grocery store, you, you hold your breath. You're like, oh. right, <laughs> like you try yeah. to. I mean, now I go to the grocery store, people just turn away from you, you know? Oh, jeez. If you, if you really want to go yeah. buy bread or, or toilet paper, just walk down that aisle and cough. Well, one, you can't buy toilet paper. I know. Because everybody's awesome That's and thinks true. that they need 17 yeah. back, packs of toilet paper. Yeah. The other thing I did learn, uh, shout out to Neil Clark over in the UK, our buddy Neil. Yeah, yeah. Is that apparently in the UK they call it bog paper? Right. Bog roll? Right, bog I'm roll. like, man, if I learned anything during coronavirus yeah. is that uh, across the pond they call it bog roll. Exactly. Which is kind of right. a funny name. Um, but yes, exactly, exactly that point of, hey, like we have some really good collective experience and feedback to give you on your products as you develop them. Like there's been numerous companies that we've reached out to for mm -hmm. this. Um, and you know, it's, they, they always bring us in after the molds are cast. They right. always bring us in after right. it's kind of the finished product and it's like, ah, oh, yeah, it's going to be way too much money to go back and redo this. Exactly. Where, 
you, you take the product of the, the aquarium co-op sponge filter, right? right? That was fully in our control to say, this is how we want the foam. We don't want the ridges. We want it coarse. We want it this. We want it that. And there were the, numerous, like nobody will ever see this, but the communication between me and the manufacturer going back and forth on this is how we want it. And them saying, are you sure? Yeah. Are you sure that's how you want it? It's not going to, like, no, like this is this is how we want it. And they keep trying to tell you, you know, what other customers are buying in, you know, as politely as possible. It's, well, we're not trying to do what your other customers are doing. We're right. trying to make something better. We're trying to improve it. We're trying right. to, we're trying to take the best of this and the best of that and just finally be the people that deliver the product that, that we want to give to the, to the public. Now right. the sponge filter, there is, I think one more tweak that we can do on the internals um, that, you know, we, we've got our, our next, you know, resupply will be the current style, mm -hmm. uh, but I think we will work on that one last little tweak that will take it from being like 99% awesome to like 100% awesome. Right. Um, and you're going to be very heavily involved with that. But, you know, exactly like with, with this and hopefully, you know, we continue to build the relationship where, hey man, this kind of stuff, like make sure we're on there at the ground floor right. um, because we can, you know, we can, we can sell this stuff and we could sell it because we're going to make it the best out there. Right. And it may cost a little bit more, right. but people, uh, you know, as long as the economy stays nice and robust, uh, are willing to pay a little bit more for a premium product that's going to get rid of all the annoying features and things that they don't like. Because the moment you start having all of these like minor annoyances, people don't want to use it. They'll right. stop using it. So, so going back to the the my dislike of the the brine shrimp hatcher sitting on its base. Right. You, know, you have to squeeze your hand underneath it. And people, you can buy this thing on eBay right now. We're not carrying it, but uh, it's it's a fantastic product. You can find it on eBay. It's the ZH. 2000 Something shout out like to this i love yeah. i love them so please buy it on ebay if you'd like um but like you have to crane your hand underneath there right. and it's just can't, really can't fit your hand and i was running the air through the top <laughs> yep. right where one the moment you start hanging it and two the moment you start running the air through the bottom through the outlet right the drain right. the, the, the drain like it's a completely different product and i right. fell in love with it yep. um and it just makes brine shrimp hatching you know, so much easier, you know, it, it, it stops being a chore and it just kind of becomes less a chore. It's not exactly an activity of joy, but it's not like right. this, ah, crap, I have to do this thing. But it is a necessity of a fishery. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So, yeah. hundred um, percent. You know, and, and, you know, th that's actually probably your biggest obstacle in breeding fish is supplying the baby's food. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if they're tiny babies, you need to figure out how to do paramecium or green water. Other babies, you need to know how to do brine shrimp. Yeah. Um, a lot of people will also use microworms and vinegar eels. Um, but if you've mastered the brine shrimp, you can really skip those. I, I've, got the, I've got two <laughs> cultures in my laundry room closet that are uh, full of vinegar worms. And I, I think I've only ever tried to feed it out once. And maybe I just don't have the right species that I'm currently working with that really need that. But just being able to go straight to baby brine shrimp. And the next thing that really made baby brine shrimp for me so much easier was just doing the pre-mixed salt. Right. So shout out to Fritz. You get that big bucket of Fritz RPM salt, two tablespoons of that 
in the Ziz in the hatcher. Ziz in the yep. Ziz hatcher, throw in your, and you can actually vary the amount of eggs. So right. depending on how, what I'm trying to feed, I could do half a tablespoon or mm -hmm. half a teaspoon. Half, half a teaspoon. And right. then Corey goes crazy. He's like, I just do a full tablespoon. Right. I'm like, dude, that's so much. And you don't have to adjust the salt. You just go, you can go full tablespoon, right. go crazy. Right. And you will have so much baby brine shrimp. Right. I haven't tried to push it beyond a tablespoon, but I've been at a point where I was like, all right, a teaspoon, a teaspoon of eggs. That's a lot of eggs. Is a lot, right? Yeah. And I'm feeding That's everything. A lot like of I'm eggs. feeding, I'm feeding like the the guppies that I just breed for giggles because my kids like to just see all these fish swimming in there. Right. I've got so much left over. I'm giving these guys like a full, you know, small little like, uh, what, what what's the scoop? Um, it's like a. I don't know what, like it's eighth of a teaspoon, but right? Full of brine, full of brine shrimp. shrimp. Right. That's a lot. That's I've a got lot. So much left over that basically every tank can get it. The angel fry can get their fill, right? Right. Everything that needs it is going to get their fill to ex excess, basically. Um, I can even give some to, to bristlenose fry, right? So they can yep. munch on some of that, and yep. then just enough to give to everything else in the fish room, and then right. enough to even take into the into the house and give it to the display and give tank. To, yeah, yeah. And I always do that. I always I always give my my pairs of rams, pairs of apistos, mm -hmm. any leftover. But I, but I also think that that also lets them know for, for spawning activity that there is fry food available yeah. for if, they, if they spawn. Yeah. Uh, might sound weird, but works for me. Yeah, no, I mean, that's, a, that's just one of those things that just makes sense. Yeah. It's like excess of, of live, delicious food. Like, right. Yeah, right. Let's, yeah, we can actually pack on some more weight, and yeah, right. let's, let's, let's do this. Let's have some... Let's have some kids. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, actually, what was it? Two nights ago, or yeah, two nights ago. So I should be harvesting it in a couple hours when I actually go home. But uh, I refired up the brine shrimp. I'd actually done kind of a hiatus. Uh, the angels kind of cooled down a little bit on on their on their babies. So I, I probably went about a month and a half, two months without hatching brine shrimp. But uh, as I'm increasing tank capacity and like this new Killy species and Cory species that I'm not even working with at this time. I've right. got the tank space. So um, I pulled mops of the Bosmani rainbow, so Melatonea Bosmani, and I pulled a mop of Chilorthina fasciata, the ungulum that I got from Gary Lane yeah. when he came yeah. to visit. So I've got uh, fry from both of those mops, which had been in those tanks for months and months. So you got so tons of fry. Babies yeah. are just yeah. hatching every day. Parents right. are crushing them. Right. Um, and that that chiller Athena man, that guy was so mad. He he was even if that was the so the video I sent you last night. That was two days after I pulled him up. He's still wow. mad at me. He had never done that before. See and see whenever I do that, when I pull him up, I put a new one in. Mm -hmm. and, and I did, I did, but there was a good couple hours though yeah, before I but did that. There, he's still. Mad. He was furious. Yeah. I, I want you to put your finger in there. And I, see what happens. I almost <laughs> did, but he was so mad though. I sent you the video, dude. He'd never done that before, and, right. I, and I had messed with that tank. I'd moved plants around yeah. in there. I mean, never had I ever gotten that reaction right. from that male. And these guys, I mean, they fire up iridescent purple, Super metallic. Cool, yeah. They are a beautiful, beautiful fish. Right. So that's actually one where I, you know, and I think it probably would technically fall under a cares category, like the probably. Bosmani. Yeah. Yeah. A lot um, of rainbows can nowadays. Yeah. yeah. So so fire those up and and i've got i've got brine shrimp down to a science now where i can just make it every single day yep. um, try to grow those fry up as fast as possible and just and just try to get them out there um, so people can enjoy these fish as well because you know uh, aside from when you pull their mop they're they're a pretty peaceful fish pretty much you know yeah. go yeah. really well in a planted tank um, seeing the males fire up is 
I mean, they spar like they spar, it's, but it's like a barely a spar. Right. Yeah. Right, it's yeah. just like a, it's 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 more just showmanship, and they're so they're so yeah. beautiful. It's it's not like they're sparring to to hurt each other. Mm -hmm. They're just sparring to. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we're b before I was relying with when I was doing rainbows a little bit too much on golden pearls and then like crush flake. Right. And I was only doing like maybe brine once a week just because it wasn't easy. Right. I didn't have it down. Right. You know, and so now that that's, you know, a different story, now I can just kick out the brine strip no problem yep. and uh, hopefully have some more, you know, ha have much better growth rates out of them. Uh, but rainbows are still pretty slow, you know. Pretty slow at growing, actually. Yeah. 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 But, you know, when the, the key with that is if you get the quarries going, you can grow them together. Mm -hmm. Same with plecos. Plecos would be great in the bottom of a rainbow fish fry tank. So I had, um, yeah, actually, I did have, I had panda quarries in a main display tank, the, the 75, before I moved it and, and replanted it. Um, but the quarries would spawn like crazy in the dwarf sag and uh, the rainbow fish were up above, and I think they were they were kind of mutually picking off each other's eggs sure. and whatnot. Yeah, but sure they, were. they did they did do well for the most part. And every once in a while, I'd see new quarry, yep, new panda quarries in that yep. tank. Yeah, because every so often an egg will fall down into the gravel or whatever, and mm -hmm. hatch and somehow survive. Yeah. yeah, but definitely maximizing the um, you know the growing out like uh, of maximizing that you know rainbows are going to stay at the top. You know, the top half, Corey's quarries will bottom. stay on the bottom, yep. grow them all out. Everybody's yep. going to be happy, you know, hunky-dory. Yeah, um, that, makes it, that makes it easy. I mean, plus it, it, it gives you, okay, this 20-gallon tank is not just for quarries. Yeah. Right? It, it's for growing the rainbows, too. Mm -hmm. um, I imagine you could do a third, I mean, you could probably put the baby bristlenose in there, too. Yeah, I would think so. They, they would yeah. probably all, you know, get along just fine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, right now with the mops, I've actually got them separate. So I, I set up a, a five-gallon, um, not on the auto water chain system, but I set up a five-gallon, took a um, piece of matten filter foam and mm -hmm. just kind of shoved it in there so it's all bent. It doesn't fit, but I didn't right, want to cut it. it works. It's yeah. for a 10-gallon. Yeah. And I put the Chilorathena mop on one side, the Boismani on another. And I honestly think I'm just going to pull that center divide and just let them mix because as they grow out, I'll be able to tell the different species and then pull them out. Yeah. And they're both... The Chilorthina and Bosmani are roughly the same size, so it's not like a right. Praycox and a Bosmani. Right. So I don't know. I'm I'm kind of torn right now. Right I, now they're separated. I would not do that with rainbows. Okay. And why is because they're 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 fast when you want to try to catch them later mm. to sort them. Um, I mean, if you if you were gonna do like say um, guppies and platies, that might could work. Mm -hmm. um, I used to do um, the uh, Praycox rainbows and rams together, and that was easy. But I, two rainbows trying to catch the two different ones, I think would be tough. Yeah, just drain the water quite a bit. Yeah, you could, but you still have to sort them. Yeah. You know, and they are fast. Mm -hmm. So, um, but you know, that that's actually what a lot of fish farms do. Yeah. You know, they, they drain the water down to where yeah. they can just net everything in there. And, and I'm fairly certain that between the genus of rainbows, they can't interbreed. I don't think they would. Yeah, it's yeah. just within, like, um, you know, you couldn't put Melitonea praecox with Melitonea bosmani. Right. They would. would. That would yeah, you, you yeah. would get the mutts, yeah. and Gary Lang would hunt you down, <laughs> like all these rainbow guys. Exactly. <laughs> Why are you doing that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, they're not a, they're not a fan of that. Yeah. Um, so what, what else, Dean? What else? Uh, any other major major updates planned? Any uh, update uh, renovations? 
no real renovations, um, just, you know, keeping after the fish, keeping them happy, um, trying to keep myself fed. <laughs> That's a challenge right now. And, uh, and hygienically sanitary with the toilet paper shortage. Well, you know, right? and the whole toilet paper shortage, you know, I'm wondering that that's going to bite some manufacturers in the butt at some point, because at some point, everybody in your neighborhood is going to yeah. have a year's supply of toilet paper. Yeah. And then when all of this is over, they're going to go to the store and there's going to be bazillions of toilet paper yeah. and no one's buying it and they'll sit there and mold. Toilet paper doesn't mold, does it? I don't. I don't know, man. Maybe if you're like in a really humid climate, the bog. I think the bog roll's already molded. That's why they call it bog roll. (laughs) So you know, you just gotta you know um, take care of things. Um, No new major fish coming in that I can think of right now. What What do you have your eye on right now? What's the What's the next fish? You're like, man, I'd like to get that in the fish room. Well, there is a fish I want to do. I've done it before. I want to do it again. And I want to do it so that I can either film it or take pictures of it. And that is um, some pelvicromus. 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 No. <laughs> Dean loves, Dean loves yeah. the paradise fish. No, That's not a... the paradise fish. <laughs> um, I, also, I also am kind of on the lookout for um, a female, what do you guys call them? The Nemo bettas? You know, it's the koi betta that's the Nemo colors. I feel like 30 different new fancy terms yeah, have I know, come out. I, you know, I have, a, I have a really nice male. I had at one point got a female, mm-hmm. lost that female, and uh, that was a spawning project that I wanted to do. That's something at some point, I talked with Corey about this recently, that uh, I had asked him, hey, have you ever done bettas? And he hadn't done bettas yet at all. And he's like, yeah, right. it's one of the things I'm kind of meaning to do. I think at some point I'll have to I'll have to try my hand at bettas. Yeah. Um, one because pretty much anything you breed, you will be able to sell, right? right. So hopefully you should right. be stuck with them. But just to just to say that you've done it. Yeah. You know? But but at the same point, you know, I mean, we I've talked about this on Corey's channel a couple times about one of the first things I ever took to Corey's store was like two hundred baby bettas. Oh jeez. And um, and you know I mean he, we put them on special. He sat on the, I mean, it was like six months. That's a lot. Because in America, I hate to say it, we don't have enough space to jar that many bettas mm-hmm. to grow them up. And, and, at, and at a certain age, you have to jar them up or they're just going to tear each other apart. Yeah. Or they, the, the, what I've seen of the, the farms overseas, I mean, it's just, you know, they're in relatively rural areas or on right. the outskirts of a major city. And they just have flat pieces of concrete or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And they've got hundreds of jars, hundreds of you know, one liter plastic right. bottles cut, you know, three quarters of the way up with yep. a tarp over it and yep. all that stuff. So they've got, you know, just a full on operation yeah. to do that. And I think the best that we try to do of, of breeders that are sharing what they do is just try to go vertical, try, right. to, go, try to go vertical with like a, a, a rack system. Yep. But even then, like, you know, if you've just got it's only so much you can put on it. Yeah. Right. You basically take the, fo- the footprint of, of, a, of a normal home and that take that as a concrete pad right. and you're just, you've got nothing but thousands of, you know, cut open soda bottles to grow your bed as it, right. you know? I mean, I remember seeing one where it was, uh, they, I think they were using Coke bottles and there were so many that they literally, to feed them, they would walk on top of the bottles. Oh, jeez. I mean, because, you That's know, crazy. they had big flat shoes that they were wearing, uh-huh. but they could literally 
walk on top of the bottles yeah. and feed them. Well, I thought what was so great about, uh, and I'm sorry I can't shout out whoever put this video out, but I think he was in Thailand. I think he was in Bangkok. And he basically hops on the moped with the guy that owns like two betta farms. Oh yeah, I saw that video. And Where's I love the guy? fact that as they're headed into the first farm, they stop at like the local Daphnia seller. Right. Like how legit would that how be? Cool like, would hey, that be? Bob, my Daphnia guy. Yeah, he just we hooks need you that. up, right? <laughs> and the thing is, it's right beside the road. Mm -hmm. Yep. You know, yep. you just you he's just driving. Yeah. Okay, we're gonna stop. There. I think he might have been next to like one of their traditional breakfast stands. You, know, you get been. your breakfast, you get your Daphnia, you head into work. Yep. That would be so awesome. Yeah. But I guess they do that They do that in Germany, right? Those stores that, uh, that Corey and Joel went to. Yeah. yeah, they have like the, del the daily deliveries of live bagged foods, yep. which yep. it's like, man, that's, that's pretty darn yeah. convenient. I, I think part of it is because, you know, a, in America, you never know if you're going to sell that all out. Like, like it's the same with the, the prepackaged fish in the fish markets. Mm -hmm. You know, um, they're already in a bag. You just, yep. okay, I want this bag. Um, can you imagine aquarium co-op having a rack of just bags of fish already caught? The hobby here would be so incredibly strong. It yeah. would just be amazing means, if we got to the point where yeah. Americans, you know. Would, would buy that way. They, they just knew what they wanted. They would yeah. buy that way. And like the husbandry at home is probably so dialed in right. that they feel comfortable and they can do that. Right. Like that would just be you know, we've got, we've got a ways to go, but that would just yep. be an awesome place. Because yep. then if we were that way, because in China, you walk, you walk down those market streets and there's bloodworms. There's live right. bloodworms just, just fully open, like out, out yep. in, in the space, sitting on their newspaper and you just get your scoops. You just get your scoops of fresh bloodworms. Right. And I could, oh man. And you've got a bag of fish and you just <laughs> go home. You know, yeah, just just yeah. having having the the aquatics that ingrained in the culture is like, yeah, man, I, I wish we could. Cool. I wish we could do that. Yeah, uh, hopefully we hopefully we get to that point. Um, someday, maybe. Yeah, I think I think a lot of it is we're we're too used to selection, having having too many choices. Mm -hmm. You know, so okay, I want that one neon tetra. <laughs> I, you know that guy that, that, yep, that one right there here's a bag of five for the same price but yeah. I just want that one you know mm -hmm. we're, we're too used to selection I think is what does it um, did they do at those at those markets I'm trying to think of the video did they have like schooling fish in the bags ready to rock and roll or were they all like single angels and discus and goldfish I would guess it would depend I, I bet that you could buy any fish pre-bagged I'm trying to remember that. I should probably um, go back through the videos and just see if they had like a bag of 10 neons ready right. to rock and roll. Yeah. I don't know. Or, or a school of pencil fish right. or something like that. Right. Um, there's lots of bags of fish though. Yeah. And, you know, and it probably depends on which, which yeah. market or stand you went to. You know, you know what made me cringe? Uh, looking on Amazon, they now have, or maybe they've had them for a while, um, so the whole air plant craze, and I don't, I don't yes. know if you can even call it that, but if you picture the the little dome glass thing that mounts to a wall, mm -hmm. they're now advertising those for fish. And so I how the, how they show it is like some pothos in there and a betta, right? Yes. And this can't be any more than a liter, uh, yeah, probably I, I less. Yeah, maybe, yeah, a liter. Yeah. Like a half a gallon, maybe, somewhere around maybe, there. Like yeah. I'm terrible on my liquid conversions. And, <laughs> and it goes on the wall. And so, and it's like, all right, all right, the betta, okay, I could kind of see that maybe. And then some of the images, goldfish. 
Right. Like, come on. Yeah, like, we went you know from already, mean? like, the bowl. Right. And now we're trying to sell people on... A bowl, you know, uh, you know something they hang on their wall like a picture it's, with a goldfish in it. Yeah. Like, yeah, oh I don't think goodness. that's right. This yeah. is... And I think, uh, I think currently it's got, like, three stars. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. But that's just, like, that... Come yeah. on. Come on. Because that, that's the kind of stuff that's going to get animal activists and PETA and all these other oh, yeah, people that yeah. already want to shut down the hobby, right? Yeah. They hate the idea of captive animals. You go and you do that. Right, you yep. go and you you advertise the most inhumane possible living condition for a, for a creature like that, right? And you're gonna put it on Amazon, you know, like you're just you're just putting a target on to it the, back. to to the general public that doesn't know better. Yep. Right? Yep. So yeah, and and hope, but uh, I was actually I like seeing that Costco at Christmas time was carrying the hydroponic beta set. Yeah, that was kind of cool. I thought that was pretty cool because I mean yeah. that's at least. Two three gallons. It was a couple. Yeah, it was two or three gallons. It yeah. was big enough. Filtration system. Enough. You get your microgreens, your herbs up on top. Like yep. that seemed pretty decent. Now, the, the huge danger with that would obviously be people like, oh, there's plants. That's cleaning the water. They never yeah. do water changes. They never service it, and the bed is just going to live in this terrible environment. You know, who knows? Maybe the greens that you plant do an amazing job of pulling out all the the Maybe. nitrates and ammonia and all that right. stuff, but. I mean, I've never done the test. I don't know. But you know, the 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 bad example of that is going to happen no matter what, because there's always someone that says, "Oh, you know, I don't have to do anything." Mm -hmm. To each bad example, there's probably ten good examples. Yeah. You know, so uh, or more. Yeah. And you know. yeah, and that's the that's the let's try to make everything as easy as possible, but let's make sure it still maintains the husbandry practices. Right. 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 Um, I mean, I, I learned, you know, within the first few months that an auto water change system, yeah, because I'm doing about 20% every day, depending on the stocking does not mean that you can get away with not gravel backing and right. not, you know, running right. more biological filtration just because you're changing water every single day. Right. You know, you still, there's still a certain amount of, of actual hands-on husbandry that you need to practice. Yeah. You still have to clean the filters and yeah. stuff like that. I mean... I mean, you will you will find. I mean, and I've done this in the past where, okay, it's auto water changing. I don't have to do anything, and then then you go in and I hardly ever test my water, you know, mm -hmm. parameters. Sure. But if something goes wrong, it's like, oh man, this is like pH five. So the fish aren't dying; they're not thriving; right. they're not dying. But if I'm to change that out with my tap water is eight point six. Your tap is 8.6 yeah, here? It runs between 8.2 and 8.6. Why so high? They put buffers in it. To really? Keep, to keep the pipes from uh, rotting. Interesting. Yeah, City of Bellevue does that. Huh. So, uh, it, I mean, it settles in the aquarium at about 7.6. Okay, because I, I, I'm pretty sure I'm at like 7. Yeah, maybe you, a touch under be, 7. You should yeah. be around 7 where you're at, yeah. Because we draw from the same watershed. Just delicious, delicious straight from the tap water. Yeah. I love our water. So... I need to try your tap water now. I want to taste it. And see it tastes it. the same. Does it? Yeah, okay. it tastes the same. It's the same watershed. They just add chemicals. I think it's soda ash and lime hmm. to buffer the water so that it doesn't rot the pipes. Dude, the ultimate fish nerd move for you is to run for the Bellevue Water Council. Like I know. That board, dude. How, <laughs> how hilarious would that be if you are so passionate about your hobby yeah. and your breeding that you actually run for a spot on your municipality's water, water, like, board, water yeah. board. That would be amazing. But, you know, you contrast that with, you know, the, in, in, when, when Kelly was up in Vancouver, big projects up there would be repiping. They called it repiping. 
because they pretty much have the same water. It comes out of their tap about six uh, pH. Wow. And all of their pipes rot, huh. even the plastic. Um, so a big a big uh, business up there is, you know, repiping buildings or repiping your whole house um, with with new pipe. That's crazy. And it happens about every, you know, 10, 15 years. So where I live, is there like a happy medium, I guess, where they're putting just enough to keep my, my pipes from rotting, but not as much where the, my pH is... Probably. You know, yeah. Lake Tanganyika, like yeah. you? Um, or or there might be other chemicals in the water here that, you know, they don't have up there. That, yeah. Um, I mean, I feel, and people will probably you know, freak out at this, but I feel so comfortable with my, my tap water. I don't even, like I do run a carbon block and a sediment filter, yep. uh, but I will do water changes just with straight tap water. Yep, I do And that. not yeah. use dechlorinator. I've actually tested my chlorine level. It's almost undetectable. Yeah, yep. Um, and we don't have chloramine. Mm -hmm. We're lucky that way. So it's literally undetectable, um, but I do the same thing on my auto water change. I run a sediment and a yeah. carbon block. Um, well, I do the same just, thing because I copied you. Mostly just to catch the little stuff. You yeah, know, you know. I did a I did an annual change. I did mine in uh, last uh, July. I did my one year change on my sediment, my carbon block. Oh, mine. How uh, often do you change yours? I do mine about every three months. Really? Because you've got the pressure gauge, so when you notice yeah, your pressure I, drop, I can definitely see the pressure drop. Okay. And uh, if I go four months, I'm like, I don't have any pressure. <laughs> yeah. So when I go and. and It'll still be doing water changes, but because there's no pressure, I'm not getting the full advantage of a of a the amount of water that I want to be putting in there mm. to change. So, well, Dean, this has been an awesome conversation, man. This yeah. is uh, I'm I'm just trying to think right now, like what the title of this would be, and would it be just like coffee conversation with Dean? Actually, no, a lot of people are saying their stuff is coffee talks. This is, and I don't drink coffee. This is just a <laughs> you don't drink coffee. No. Oh, Dean, what or tea. You're not or anything hot. <laughs> you, you mean you could just wake up? Yeah. And not need any stimulant? Yeah, I mean, you knocked on my door. What was I, getting dressed? <laughs> <laughs> well, you showed up dressed, so. That's true. That's uh, I did bring in your recycle can, though. That's true. So, uh, and I had to move the, the garbage over. I didn't want to. I didn't want to block that from the, uh, the garbage man. But Dean, man, this Good. has been uh, this has been fantastic. Uh, it's always a pleasure to talk with you and to try to glean as much uh, glean as much information from you as I can. And uh, yeah, man, you were. Uh, It'd be like, I think I was going to do like a selfie with you and have some type of caption where it's like uh, Anakin and Obi-Wan, but without the cutting in half. Or there you go. like that, right? Where... <laughs> All right, Dean. Well, thank you very right. much, man. I hope everybody enjoyed this. You bet. Have a good day.